Elkanah of the tribe of Ephraim had two wives, Hannah and Penina. Hannah bore no children, but Penina did. Elkanah made a yearly pilgrimage to Shiloh to offer sacrifices. He gave portions of the remaining sacrificial meat to Penina and the children, but he gave a double amount to Hannah as expressions of his love in spite of her childlessness. Penina derided Hannah for being childless. Hannah would have been reduced to tears. Hannah would, would be reduced to tears by what she saw and what she experienced and would not eat what was provided. Elkanah attempted to console and reassure her, but it didn't work. That's the setting or the backdrop uh, we're gonna, of the study we're going to be looking at today. Hannah, trust-filled prayer. So let's uh, look at that first question that we have. I'm sure everyone has been there at some point or another. <coughs> when have you been persistent in asking for something you really wanted? Anybody could remember an occasion like that? A car. <laughs> a car, okay. Really persistent with something that you wanted. Property. Property? Okay. But you won't get it yet. Okay, keep asking. <laughs> okay, anybody else? Persistent in asking for something you really wanted. A nice vacation. Huh? A nice vacation. A nice vacation. Keep asking. Asking the Lord to bring you over the troubled waters that you throw out another time. Asking the Lord to do what? To bring you home that you had troubled waters. Okay. <coughs> Keep asking. Jesus. You see my children say. You see your children say. I pray for long Okay. I had to order uh, some parts for some appliances. And um, the company they ordered them from, the guy said he had ordered from the States, he couldn't find a supplier. And I had to call that fella every single morning. I know you got tired of me, because when, when, when the phone rang, he knew it was me calling. <laughs> but I had to keep asking. I was really persistent because it was taking a long time. And um, it took almost two months. Almost two months. And when it wasn't the supply he couldn't find, or the supply didn't have it, or they sent the wrong part, or the shipment didn't come, or the shipment was late, all kinds of excuses. But I had to be persistent in asking, because the problem really needed to be solved. And I'm sure we've had that experience many times. Uh, look at um, Second Bible Meets Life. <laughs> Diet and exercise. Blood remains a primary farmer of weight loss. Of course, other medical reasons will sometimes explain why someone might be overweight. But for the vast majority of us, if we want to drop a few pounds, it comes down to diet and exercise. <clears throat> if the formula is that simple, why do so many of us struggle with? Healthy living. Beyond the um, beyond the other medical reasons, we can only assume that our 
anger and struggle is not because we don't know what to do, but because we fail to put into practice what we know. Prayer is like that. We know we ought to pray. We know we need to pray. But despite all the exhortations and commands, we often fail to put in practice what we know we should be doing. For Christians, prayer must become second nature to us, because the alternative is choosing a consistent and ongoing prayer life is choosing by default to live in the sense of hopelessness. Anna, the mother of Samuel, showed us what it looks like to come to God without need and trust Him to act on our behalf. Okay, you'll <laughs> see that a little bit more as we go into study. How many of us are, are supposed to be exercising our routine but don't use it? Guilty as charged. <laughs> you know, we get all this stuff to do, all this exercise, and we don't do it, do we? Okay, let's look at the paragraphs beneath that. Uh, well, let's look at the first verse. First uh, Samuel one, chapter nine to eleven. On one occasion. Hannah got up after they ate and drank a chair. The priest Eli was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. Deeply hurt, Hannah prayed to the Lord and left with many tears. Making a round, she pleaded, Lord of armies, if you will take notice of your servant's affliction, remember and not forget me, and give your servant a son. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and his hair will never be cut. Okay, continue reading the paragraphs beneath that. In the first few verses of the book of First Samuel, we are introduced to a man named Elkanah and his two wives, Renina and Hannah. Since the Israelites considered motherhood a mark of God's blessing, all was well for Renina because she had children. See first Samuel one. Elkanah okay, okay, had two wives, Hannah and Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah did not. Continue reading. But Hannah lived with a source of deep disappointment. Hannah was childless. And just as children were seen as a mark of God's blessing, the Israelites believed that childless, childlessness was evidence of God's displeasure. This was the great disappointment and sadness that Hannah lived with day by day. That thing in the back of her mind colored every relationship taming every joyous moment and governing every excitement. What is that thing for you? What is your deepest source of disappointment? That unresolved pain that still lies deep in your heart. The temptation for most of us is to simply bury that thing far away. We pile relationships, years, for even religious activities on top of it, trying to make ourselves forget how deeply hurt and disappointed we've been. We try to convince ourselves that as long as we don't think about it. 
we can eventually move past that source of disappointment. Next page. The Lord has another remedy for it. This is precisely what Hannah did. And we must do likewise. Don't bury those sources of pain, disappointment, and anxiety. Actively and consistently bring those needs to God. In fact, turning to God in prayer is more than a suggestion for followers of Christ. It is a command. See Philippians 4. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, <coughs> let your request be made known to him. Okay. Notice the uh, second and third paragraph in the passage that uh, we read. It says, Hannah was childless, and just as children were seen as marks of God's blessing, the Israelites believed childness was childlessness was evidence of God's displeasure. Some people believe that today. This was the great disappointment and sadness that Hannah lived with day by day. That thing in the back of her mind, coloring every relationship, tainting every joyous moment, and dampening every excitement. Well, you could imagine what she must be must have been going through. Okay, uh, especially with the common belief that uh, if you can't have children, God's not pleased with you. Even though, it was, even though it was not true, she had to live with that because that's what people believed at that time. So one can imagine what she must have gone through. What is that thing for you? What is your deepest source of disappointment? That unresolved pain that still lies deep in your heart. And I guess everybody has one of them. All right, and the challenge is to find out what is yours and what is mine, and how, how, how we have to deal with it. Uh, question number two. What are some ways people deal with deep disappointment or unresolved pain? Some people get depressed. Okay, some people get depressed, depression. Some people go shopping. Some people go shopping. <laughs> like quarters, I watch that. Quarters. Hmm? That's kind of crazy. Though. Okay. Yeah, you actually do it? <laughs> Go <laughs> shopping, eh? Yeah, that seems to. I mean, I bet it, like she said, hoarders. So. Mm -hmm. They just want to numb themselves to whatever. Okay, they yeah, want to do something to get it out of the system. Yeah, yeah that's what they say. Okay. That's why they're doing it. Okay. It's some kind of and and depression, depression to depression. Yeah. I think that's mm. that kind of thing. Just to take their minds off her. Yeah. Okay. What are some other ways besides depression and shopping that people use to deal with disappointment and unresolved pain? That we could think of. Overeating stuff. Yeah. Huh? Overeating. 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 Or gluttony. <laughs> That's what it amounts to, right? <laughs> Overeating. Okay, question number three. What have you been taught about the nature and purpose of prayer? What have you been taught about the nature and the purpose of prayer? When, when all else fails, you 
Okay. That's what some people do. They leave prayer as the last resort. Yeah. Should it be the last resort? No, it should be the first. It should be the first, right? Yeah. And most cases, if it if it is the first, then you won't have a you won't have that disappointment or that depression or whatever it is you go through uh, over the problem. Okay. As we move to uh, other portions of First Samuel. We'll see how God answered Hannah's prayer, both in the short term as well as the long term. So let's look at that uh, next passage, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 17 to 18, and verses 26 to 28. Eli responded, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant the request you've made of him. May your servant find favor with you. She replied, then Hannah went on her way. She ate and no longer looked des despondent. Please, my Lord, she said, as sure as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you, beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this boy, and since the Lord gave me what I asked him for, I now give the boy to the Lord. For as long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. Then. He worshipped the Lord there. Then he worshipped the Lord there. Okay, so let's go back to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Turn to Revelations, uh, Philippians 4 and 6. What does it say? Philippians 4 6. <clears throat> Don't worry about some things. Anything. Anything, right? What does anything mean? Anything, right? Absolutely anything. Don't worry about anything. This is where the New Living Translation puts it. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Do we do that? Yes. We don't do that, right? We worry first. Isn't that what we do? Worry is the first thing we do. It doesn't matter what it is. We worry first. He said, don't worry about anything. doesn't matter what it is. No matter how big a mountain it appears to be, don't worry about it. Instead, pray about it. Tell God what you need, not necessarily what you want. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. We often have a tendency to ask without thanking. And so the verse in, uh, Paul, Paul says in Philippians, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. By thanking him for all that you've done, you are showing appreciation for what he has done. And you are depending upon him and relying upon him to provide what you need, what you're asking for. Right? And this is what uh, this is what Hannah did. She prayed, she trusted, and she was grateful for what God has already done. Question number four. When have you been blessed by an answer to prayer? When have you been blessed by an answer to prayer? Um, I had one this week, and on the other side is a very nasty female lawyer. So I, I exercise um, Philippines 4 and 6, and I just have like a perfect piece. Great. So I, I, I definitely do, you know, because I, I just, 
You just can't deal with some of these things. It's like out of your control. That's right. People That's right. just tend to be nasty, even if they don't need to be nasty. Just you know. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, just to have that perfect peace is like an amazing thing. Okay, so Michelle had a good example in court. Um, she had a case and she was dealing with a real nasty lawyer and she trusted in this verse and it worked. That's the classic example perfect right there. Peace. Okay, perfect peace. You don't have to take it all on yourself. Anybody else? When have you been blessed by an answer to prayer? When my granddaughter was going off to school and my daughter was looking for an apartment and she was not able to get one immediately and Dave was running out. And I told her to call a relative which was living far away from where she was supposed to be going to school. And I said, call. And she said, but mommy, they may not, I don't think, I, I can't get them. I said, go to the homestead and ask for the number. And she did that. Then she called the very person, which is my cousin, who she was trying to get in touch with was in Nassau attending a funeral and her aunt said she would take her. She would, she could live in with her and that's where she is today. Great. All right. Anybody else? Any times that um, things doesn't go all the way most of the time anyway. But nevertheless, the times that it gets down on their health is not like it used to be and we ask the Lord for strength. But in this you have to believe that He will help you. And if you have enough patience, He'll help you and He'll heal you. It's just a matter of you failing. He has your time, but you wait. And He'll come around and He'll help you. And He'll heal you. Okay. And there are the simple little things that we can pray about, practical things that we can pray about, some things that we think are so so simple that we don't need to bother God with it. You know, we don't pray about it. And, and you know, God says pray about everything, not some things. You know, I had a situation uh, a month before last. Uh, we got our phone bill through the office and the cell phones and we were overcharged, we were charged late charges for five of the, of the, of the, the accounts. And we pay every, we always pay on time because we're conscious of the dates that the payments are due and we know you're going to get charged late if you pay late. So we pay all of the bills on time and I got these bills and, and five of them had late charges. So I said, oh boy, I got to go to BTC again. What a drive, you know, because you go there and you got to wait so long, you know, so many people there. And then when you tell them the problem, they hide it with you and they go all through. So I, I normally pray about everything. So I come here, I said, Lord, I'm going to go to BTC again today. Please take care of this. Because I, I, it's very frustrating sometimes. I went there and I presented the situation. The lady says, yeah, we see where you pay on time. We don't know why you got charged late charges. We'll credit the account for the late charges. Fine, praise the Lord. Simple things that we don't think we need to bother God with. What is Philippians 4 success? Pray about everything. Everything. Tell it to God and He'll take care of it. Okay, let's look at the paragraphs beneath that verse. Verse 17 to 18 show the immediate result of Hannah's prayer. 
her burden was lifted. She had cast her cares upon the Lord, and she was able to go on her way in peace. Verses 26 to 28 show the longer-term result of Hannah's prayer. She gave birth to a child and named him Samuel. That name was an acknowledgement that this boy was an answer to prayer, since it's a wordplay meaning requested from God or heard by God. For the rest of his life, Samuel would hear over and over again that his very existence was evidence of a God who hears and answers his people. Likewise, Hannah would live the rest of her life confidently knowing that God does indeed listen and is moved when his people pray. Because the boy was an answer to prayer, straight from God, Hannah knew that the life of her son ultimately belonged to the Lord. Consequently, she entrusted this precious gift back to him. This was a happy ending for a woman who prayed and trusted in God. Of course, not all prayer requests and as we want them to end, and as we want them to end. What do we do when we pray for the job, the healing, or the provision? Yet God answers, no. We recognize our limited vision. It's natural to be disappointed when God answers our prayers negatively, but we're dis disappointed because of our limited vision. We cannot know the full effects of what we're praying for, but God does. He sees, he knows. So when the answer comes back different than we'd like, it's helpful to step back and simply acknowledge our limitations. Number two, we remember God's love. Our circumstances are not the measure of God's love for us. He has demonstrated his love once and for all through the cross of Christ. Though our spiritual equilibrium might be shaken momentarily when God doesn't answer our prayers the way we think he should, it's helpful for us to pause and remember the cross. His death is the measure of his love. His answers are always grounded in his love for us. Three, we trust in God's wisdom. It's not enough for us to trust in God's power to change our circumstances. We must also trust in his wise character. God is working for our good, which is to be conformed to the image of Christ. See Romans 8, 28, 29. Okay, let's look at that verse. And we know that we know that God causes all these things to work together for God, for good, to those who are called according to his purpose. When he answers, 29. Um, 28, 29, okay. But notice what the verse says. We know. We don't guess. We don't speculate. Paul says in the verse, and we know that God causes everything, not some things, that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Okay, so we know, we don't guess, that God is the one who causes everything to work together for our good. Okay, so we have three points there, bullet points. We recognize our limitation, our limited vision. Continue the, the, the rest of that. Um. When he answers our prayers, God does so not only for our good, 
but for the good of all his children. Okay, but because of our limited lim- lim- uh, vision, we only think about ourselves. So we recognize our limited vision, we remember God's love, and we trust in God's wisdom. Let's look at a couple of main points uh, from those paragraphs that we read. The first one is uh, verses 17 and 18 show the immediate result of Hannah's prayer. The immediate result of her prayer. We don't always get immediate results from our prayers, do we? Sometimes we do. In this case, we see an immediate uh, result. Her burden was lifted immediately. She cast her cares upon the Lord and he was able to and was a, and she was able to go on her way in peace. Isn't there a verse that tells us that we are to cast our cares upon the Lord? This is what Anna did. And it worked. She's an example that we can look at of not only immediate prayer, but also casting our cares upon the Lord and what he does with them. The second point we notice in verses 26 to 28 show the longer term result of Hannah's prayer. She gave birth to a child and named him Samuel. So she had a short term answer, she had a long term answer. And sometimes God does that in our lives as well. Uh, sometimes we don't realize the long term answer because it takes a long time. Okay, we don't connect the two uh, to being the answer to God's prayer. In this case, we see Anna, uh, Hannah had a short-term and a long-term answer to her prayer. And then the third and final point is, this was a happy ending for a woman who prayed and trusted in God. And that is the key. Not only did she pray, but she also trusted. A lot of times people pray, but they don't trust. And the answer never comes. And they wonder, well, Lord, I pray. Like you told me I had to pray. But they forgot the other part. You've got to trust as well. Okay, so this is a happy ending for a woman who prayed and trusted in God. Of course, not all our prayer requests end as we want them to end, do they? Do you always get your prayer answers the way you want it? No, God answers it the way he has planned it. And we've got to recognize what God is doing when he does that. It doesn't necessarily mean that he didn't answer. He just answered in a way that you weren't expecting or anticipating, but he answered nevertheless. Okay, as we conclude at 1 Samuel 2, 1 to 3, we'll see the appropriate response from God's people when he answers their prayers. The appropriate response. There's always a right way and a wrong way to respond to God's prayer. So let's look at those last three verses there. 1 Samuel uh, chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. And I pray, my heart rejoices in the Lord, my horn is lifted up by the Lord. My mouth boasts over my enemies because I rejoice in his salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you, and there is no rock like our God. Do not boast so proudly or let arrogant words come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge and actions Okay, look at the paragraphs beneath there now. Hannah responded appropriately to God's intervention on her behalf. Notice, she responded appropriately. The right way. She answered with what kind of praise? Thankful. Thankful praise. 
grateful praise, we should adopt a primary response like Hannah's, praising God for his grace, power, and provision. Do we do that? Sometimes people are so overwhelmed by the response of the prayer that they forget to thank God for it. Remember the ten lepers? They were so excited about getting healed. They all ran on their merry way and forgot about the one who healed them. Only one remembered. And sometimes we're like those ten lepers. When God answers the prayer, we get so excited and so enraptured by the answer to the prayer that we forget to thank the one who answered the prayer. And sometimes so, we take the credit for ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we take the credit or we give somebody else the credit. Yeah. Okay, but Hannah's, uh, Hannah's response was appropriate uh, to God's intervention on behalf. And she answered with thankful praise, something that she did that we should adopt and recognize. And praising God for his grace, his power, and provision. The reason we live and move and have our being is because God in his gracious love, continues to sustain the rest of the world and us. Do we think about that sometimes? We live and move and have our being, and sometimes we don't think about, hey, God is behind this. Look at uh, Acts chapter 17, 28. For in him we live and move and exist, as even some of our own poets have said, for we also are his children. Okay, in him we live and move and exist. Now, without God, we're nothing. Yet we are forgetful creatures. We simply go about our days failing to recognize the ongoing presence and provision of God for our every need. 